Welcome to episode 17 of Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church and producer of this series. Revisions to this series are part of the AIC's continuing celebration of the start of its second decade on the web. If you have not already viewed episode 2, which includes my primer on numerology in Revelation, I urge you to do so, since understanding how John used numerology is critical to understanding Revelation and this series. In this episode, the focus is on chapter 12, in which St. John, acting like a stage producer, introduces a major disruption in his narrative with the first of three chapters on the celestial and spiritual war between God and Satan. The illustration is a detail from John dictating Revelation, a 15th century Italian fresco in the Greek style at Mount Athos, Greece. Last time in episode 16, I pointed out that Eastern Church scholars consider Revelation 11 15 as the turning point in Revelation. The Roman Catholic scholars who prepared the original Catholic encyclopedia in the early 20th century call the remaining chapters in Revelation the divine drama and divide it into five acts. Act 1 is chapters 12, 13, and 14. Act 2 is chapters 15 and 16. Act 3 is chapters 17 and 18, Act 4 being chapters 19 and 20, Act 5 is chapters 21, and chapter 22, verses 1 to 17. Chapter 22, 18 to 21, is treated as an epilogue to the whole book of Revelation. In the remaining episodes in this series, I will elaborate on this divine drama theme as it plays out in Revelation. The illustration is a frontispiece to a revelation scene. The illustration is the frontispiece to a revelation manuscript from an illuminated Bible presented to Charlemagne for his coronation at Rome, the first since the 5th century on Christmas Eve, 875 A.D. Before I begin with the first reading from chapter 12, I offer a primer on the scriptural origin of the Christian understanding about God and Satan and the conflict that has existed since creation. After Adam and Eve had disobeyed God by eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil in Genesis 3.15, God speaks in paradise of the punishment for both Adam and Eve and the serpent Satan who seduced Eve into sin, saying, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The serpent's punishment in Genesis 3.14 is to crawl legless in the dust. Adam and Eve are given clothes and expelled from paradise putting a cherubim at the gate to prevent their re-entry in Genesis 3, 21-24. A detail of which is found in the third quarter 12th century mosaic at the Capella Palatina, Palermo, Sicily. 
From the beginning of Christianity, the serpent has been associated with Satan, the personal name of the devil from the Hebrew ha-satan, meaning adversary, which is used 36 times in the King James Version. Eastern Orthodox Church lay theologian George Crunk explains in his book The Message of the Bible in 1982 that Satan, who was originally intended to be a guardian angel of earth, was hurled to earth long ago and allowed to walk on earth. For more, see the Satan entry in the AIC bookstore publication, Layman's Lexicon. Frank's comments about Satan are supported by Job 1, 6 and 7, the opening verses of Satan's conversation with God in Job 1, 6 to 12. Now there was a day when the sons of man came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From walking to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. The illustration is a late 17th century Russian Orthodox icon of Job of unknown authorship or location. Additional support for this view is found in Ezekiel 28, verses 14 and 15, which on its face is an historical account of the fall of the king of Tyre. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. The illustration is an early 18th century Russian Orthodox icon of Ezekiel in the monastery at Kiji in the Karelia region of Russia. Two New Testament precedents for traditional views on Satan or the devil and his actions in the world are St. Paul's description of Satan as, quote, the god of this age who blinds the faithful to his true purpose and lures them into sin. From 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, and the second is St. Peter's warning, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, which is used in the Compline office in the AIC bookstore publication, occasional services for Anglican worship. The illustrations are Andrei Rublyov's unfinished 15th century icon of St. Paul and a 13th century Byzantine icon of St. Peter from the Byzantine collection at Dumbarton Oaks, Washington, D.C. I have divided the reading of chapter 12 into three parts the first of which is verses 1 through 6. The illustration for this and the next 10 slides is the woman, the child, and the dragon, an illumination in temperer and gold on parchment from the Bamberg Apocalypse as it was used on page 100 in the AIC bookstore publication Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. Now a great sign appeared in heaven a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. 
Then, being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Just as there were three woes in Revelation 8.13, three colors of breastplates on the riders in Revelation 9.16-19, three plagues by which they kill in Revelation 9.18-20, and, and three characters in the conversation in Revelation 10 verses 8-14, in chapter 12, 1 to 6, there are three signs in heaven. The first in verses 1 and 2 is the woman clothed with the sun, with a garland of twelve stars around her head and the moon under her feet. In Revelation 1, verse 16, John said of the one like the Son of Man that his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. In the early church, it was believed that she is the Blessed Virgin Mary and a symbol of the church universal. It was the Blessed Virgin who was granted the title Theotokos, literally God-bearer, but more commonly translated as Mother of God, at the Third Ecumenical Council at Ephesus in 431 A.D. In Revelation 1, the phrase moon under her feet suggests her superiority over all others, consistent with the praise offered by her cousin Elizabeth in Luke 1, 42, Blessed are you among women. The symbolic magical number 12 appears for the second time. The first was in the sealing of the tribes of Israel in chapter 7, in the garland of 12 stars around her head in verse 1. These may be either the apostles or the tribes of Israel, as in chapter 7. That the woman is to give birth in painful labor in verse 2 reflects God's punishment for the disobedience of Eve announced in Genesis 3:16. To the woman he said, I will multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain shall you bring forth children. The second sign in heaven comes in verse 3 with the appearance of the fiery red dragon with seven heads, each with a diadem and ten horns. As John himself indicates later in verse 9, the fiery red dragon is Satan. It is ready to devour the child as soon as it is born in verse 4b. The ten horns are an allusion to the Hebrew concept of the Messiah as a warrior lamb with horns with which to do battle with the Roman Empire. For more, see episode 10, 
Revelation 4, verse 6, the Lamb before the 24 elders, in which St. John gives Satan the false messiah and parody of Christ with similar horns. With its great tail, it hurls one-third of the stars to earth in verse 4. John here reflects the early church belief, as noted earlier, that Satan took one-third of the angels of heaven with him to earth when he rebelled against God. The hurling of the stars may be a preview of the war in heaven, which is coming in Revelation 12, verses 7 to 12. The third sign in heaven is revealed in verse 5, with the first mention of the male child who is destined to, quote, rule all nations with a rod of iron. The Old Testament precedent, also used in Revelation 2, 26 and 27, in the letter to the church at Thyatira, and discussed in episode 6, is Psalm 2, verse 9. Thou shalt bruise them with a rod of iron, and break them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Quoted from the 1928 Book of Common Prayer text. The phrase suggests that the child will mete out divine justice. The 11th century artists who painted the illumination in the Bamberg Apocalypse left no doubt that the child in the woman's arms is a male. The phrase caught up to God in his throne in verse 5b refers to Jesus' salvational ministry on earth, including his life, his teachings, and culminating in his death, resurrection, and ascension to the Father. In verse 6, the woman flees to safety in the wilderness, quote, in a place prepared by God, where she is protected for 1,260 days. This is the second use in Revelation of the mystical number 1,260. As I noted in the primer on Revelation in episode 2, this is the same period of time as three and one-half years, or 42 months. It is meant to suggest that this was temporary, or in modern terms, bad but not as bad as it might have been, and that there would be relief. Some have seen this as an allusion to the flight to safety in Egypt reported in Matthew 2, 13 and 14. The second reading from chapter 12 is verses 7 through 12. The illustration is a colorized version of St. Michael Fights the Dragon by Albrecht Dürer from an illumination for an apocalypse manuscript published at Nuremberg in 1498 A.D. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. 
and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. The war in heaven begins in verse 7 with the archangel Michael and his angels fighting the dragon, who is identified at last by name in verse 9 as the cast-out angel Satan, also called the devil, who is labeled the deceiver of the world. A New Testament precedent for the punishment of disobedient angels is 2 Peter 2, verse 4. For if God did not spare his angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. St. Jude affirmed the same understanding concerning rebellious angels in Jude verses 6 and 7, comparing their fate to that of Sodom and Gomorrah. A similar war between obedient and disobedient angels is described in Enoch chapters 6 through 10, and in which the archangels Michael and Raphael fight on the side of the Lord God. The book of Enoch includes dramatic language, images, and detail quite similar to those John incorporated into Revelation. The text of Enoch in modern language is available online at www.wesleycenteronline.org. St. John's account in Revelation may have been one of the reasons St. Michael is considered the guardian angel of the church. Satan, in verse 10, is the persecutor of the church, or, quote, accuser of our brethren. The illustration of St. Michael the Archangel is a gold and enamel figure from the Basilica of St. Mark, Venice, built in the 9th century with later embellishments and adornments. The casting out of Satan from heaven, referred to by St. Peter and St. Jude, quoted earlier, is usually thought to have occurred before the creation, but St. John uses it here in the time just before the final judgment, perhaps as a symbol of a final casting out. Another loud voice from heaven in verses 10 and 11 announces the defeat of Satan. From the context of the third-person message, the voice is that of an angel. The angel refers to salvation, strength, the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. The deceiver and persecutor of the brethren, whose efforts went on day and night and has been overturned and cast down to earth by means of three causes, the blood of the Lamb, meaning the propitiatory death of Christ upon the cross, the word of their testimony, meaning their faithful witness to the beliefs of the gospel message, and because they did not love their lives to the death, in verse 11, which means that they were willing to do battle with Satan, even at the risk of death. 
In verse 12, St. John's narrative voice calls for rejoicing in heaven and issues a warning of coming woe to the inhabitants of earth and the sea. The coming woe refers to Satan's own words in his conversation with God in Job 1 verse 7 that he walks to and fro on the earth. St. John warns that Satan's wrath will be greater because he, quote, knows that he has a short time, unquote. The phrase, a short time, comes from two Greek words, oligos kairos. It means a discreet but short time, that is, measured on the vast scale of God's time. For more on how Jesus used the same term in St. John's Gospel, Watch episode 43 in the New Testament Gospel series. In this context, a short time refers to the period immediately before the final judgment. The third and final reading from chapter 12 is verses 13 to 17. The illustration is the dragon pursuing the woman in the wilderness from the Bamberg Apocalypse as used on page 105 in the ASC Bookstore publication, Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time, from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Once again, as in verses 13 to 17, St. John uses allusions to Old Testament stories which would have been very familiar to Jews of his time, but which modern readers are generally not familiar. In verses 13 and 14, the dragon who has been cast to earth persecutes the woman who gave birth to the male child, but the woman escapes on, quote, two wings of a great eagle, an allusion to the flight from Egypt in Exodus 19, verse 4. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Isaiah used a similar image in Isaiah 40, verse 31, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. The New Testament parallel is Matthew 2, 13-15, the account of the flight of Joseph, Mary, and the infant Jesus to safety in Egypt to protect them against Herod's order to murder children under the age of two. The death of the children is commemorated in the church in the Feast of the Holy Innocents on December 28th. In verse 14, the woman who bore the male child is able to hide for a time and times and half a time. 
This allusion to Daniel 7, verse 25, and Daniel 12, verse 7, has the same meaning as 1,260 days, as I discussed in the Primer on Numerology in Episode 2, and in earlier commentary in this episode on Revelation 12, 6, and in Revelation 11, 3, which I discussed in Episode 16. The earth swallowing the water which the serpent spewed out of his mouth in verses 15 and 16 is another Old Testament allusion, this time to the Red Sea opening during the flight from Egypt described in Exodus 14. The same event is recalled in the New Testament in Hebrews 11.29. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so drowned. In the final verse, verse 17, the dragon, unable to drown the woman and kill the child, turns his wrath upon the woman's other offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The woman's offspring are the family of God, which is the church universal, whose members have chosen to keep God's commandments. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the gospel message taught by Christ. In Ephesians 2, verse 19a, part of a longer discourse which was quoted in episode 16 regarding St. John's reference to a temple in Revelation 11, verses 1 and 2, St. Paul wrote, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Thank you for joining me for episode 17 on Revelation and Idealist Interpretation. Next time in episode 18, the focus is on chapter 13, in which spiritual warfare is conducted by the beast with seven heads, ten horns, and a blasphemous name. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this episode include from our Bible study video series, New Testament Gospels, John's record of Jesus' references to concepts of time are the focus of episode 43 and episode 44. From our Christian education video series, The Lives of the Saints, first series, the 1928 BCP Saints, St. John, whose feast day is December 27th, is the focus of episode 4. St. Paul, whose feast day is January 25th, is the focus of episode 5. St. Peter, whose feast day is June 29th, is the focus of episode 11. And St. Jude, whose feast day, shared with St. Simon, is October 28th, is the focus of episode 16. From the Christian Education video series, The Nicene Creed, presented in eight episodes, the seven ecumenical councils are discussed in episode one. From our Christian Education video series, The Twelve Days of Christmas, with one episode each with a key theological word or phrase for the days from December 25th to January 5th, on the ninth day of Christmas, January 2nd, 
the key word is angels. From the AIC bookstore publications, the Gospel of Matthew annotated and illustrated, the flight of the Holy Family to safety in Egypt and their return home is discussed in chapter 2 and illustrated on pages 22 and 23. From the companion book to this series, Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation, chapter 11 includes three beautiful illuminations from the Bamberg Apocalypse with a full-size version of The Dragon Pursues the Woman on page 105. My primer on numerology and revelation is found on pages 7 to 11. From the writing prophets of the Old Testament, the major prophet Ezekiel is discussed in part 2, chapter 3, pages 29 to 36. The major prophet Daniel is discussed in part 2, chapter 4, pages 37 to 58, including the night vision of the four great beasts from the sea on pages 44 and 45. From Layman's Lexicon, a handbook of theological, scriptural, and liturgical terms, words and phrases of interest for this episode are abyss, almighty, angels slash archangels, creator, doxology, Gentiles, Hades, heaven, judgment, mystery, numerology, and Satan. In Hear Us, O Lord, Daily Prayers for the Laity, the text of the Compline Office, the final office for the day, including the quotation from 1 Peter 5, verse 8, concerning Satan as a rampaging lion, is found on pages 121 to 127. The office is also printed in Occasional Services for Anglican Worship, on pages 164 to 167. Finally, from the prayer book Psalter, History Text and Commentary, Psalm 2 is printed and discussed on pages 3 and 4. The key to accessing everything produced by the Anglican Internet Church is available at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net where we've made it easier for you to learn about Christian education, doctrine, worship, and study using your preferred way of learning. You can watch our Bible study, Christian education, and seasonal video series using the links on either the digital library or Bible study pages. If you prefer listening, you can listen to the podcast versions of any of our videos using the links on the podcast archive page or to our podcast homilies for all the Sundays in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer using the links on the podcast homilies page. If you prefer written works, you can access any of the 17 AIC bookstore publications all but one available in both paperback and Kindle editions using the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the home page or directly using my Amazon Author Central page https colon right slash right slash www.amazon.com 
facebook.com right slash author right slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. Everything after dot com must be in lowercase letters. I also invite you to subscribe to my blog page at www.anglicaninternetchurch, accessible through the Father Ron's blog tab at the top or the bottom of any page on the site. By clicking the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend, you'll be invited to register your email address and receive notice of all new postings. Please be assured that we do not share subscriber information with any other organization, and you can ask for the removal of your address at any time. Until next time, may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.